great to have your company for the latest edition of The Players Pod. I'm your host, Robbie Cornthwaite, and this week it's a bit of a walk down memory lane as we wind the clock back to 2013 when the Mariners and the Wanderers faced off in the A-League Grand Final. Of course, those two clubs face off this weekend when second takes on third. Before that, just quickly, A-League All Access is back this week with Western United's championship winning coach and Socceroos legend John Aloisi in the spotlight. I can't wait for that. We also have our official men's A-League podcast and our Liberty League podcast, both available this week on Spotify and Apple, wherever else you like to get your podcasts. As I mentioned, it's two of the league's most informed teams going toe-to-toe this week. And to take us through all that and plenty more, we have two very special guests, both from the 2012-2013 season. Joining us, Mariners Championship winner and now A-League commentator Daniel McBreen and Western Sydney Wanderers fan favourite, a man who played a massive role in the Wanderers Asian Champions League win, Labino Halidi. And that's where we start the show today. Labby, mate, thanks very much for your time. We know you're a busy man. Uh, Robbie, thanks for having me and always got time for you. Always got time. Mate, when we talk about the 2013 Grand Final, it's obviously going to be a little bit of an easier chat for for Daniel McBreen than it is for you. The Wanderers were first season in the league, absolute dream of a first season, finished first, won the Premier's League uh, Premier's plate, sorry, but fell short right at the end. What was that feeling like when the final whistle went and you knew you'd fallen just short? Yeah, look, I think to do what we did at the beginning and then to go all the way, as they call it, a, a big dance and obviously just fall short on that last day, it's, it's never easy. But I think when you look back now and see how we we sort of gave the league another another sort of boost and then the game just started. We had supporters with us, obviously, and all that. So I think looking back now, yes, we would have liked to, to get it on the day, but I think it was a positive sort of finish to the season overall. What did you make of the game? In, 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 I mean, looking uh, back at the highlights, they, they looked like they had the better chances. You, yeah, you guys sort look, of I found think, it difficult. Yeah, I think on the day, I think they were the better side. And, you know, it's, it's no... No secret at the time, you know, they did, they did play well. But I think, you know, again, on that day, a lot of things didn't go for us either. We had a couple of injuries sort of leading into it. I think Jerome Pollens was sort of not not 100%. But in saying that, they totally deserved it. They, they, they were a good team throughout the year also. Um, and I think, you know, same as we said back then, congrats to them at the time. And, you know, it was a, it was a good final. And, yes, McBreen did it did end up scoring a penalty, so there you go. <laughs> Mate, uh, can you take us back to the change rooms after the game? Can you remember anything that, you know, the players said? What, oh, what was Popper's message? Yeah, yeah. I, I remember clearly like it was yesterday because only two days later or a day later in the morning, we had to get up and fly to Ch- to Japan for Champions League. So, um, <laughs> you know, you normally would go, oh, yeah, okay, it's we've lost the final and this and that. We just went back to the hotel, had pretty much dinner, and then we were good together next morning in terms of because we had another big big test in, in Japan and we ended up going there and we lost that one too, 3 1. But we did score a crucial away goal and then that helped us moving on into the semi final and quarter final, semi finals later on. So we didn't really have that much time to sort of dwell about it and go and feel sorry for ourselves, which was probably the best thing ever because. You know, when you're playing at that level, you've got bigger games, big, big, big game coming up always. Next, next, next. So I don't think you have too much time to think about 
the last game, if, if if it makes sense. Yeah, I mean, for for Adelaide in the first season of the A-League, Sydney FC was probably the biggest rival, although Melbourne victory has slowly become, or not slowly become, but that, that overtook. Obviously, Sydney FC, the derby, the Sydney derby is huge, but were the Mariners more so your your biggest rival in the first season? Oh, I think I think the fans, wherever we travelled, they travelled with us, but in New South Wales, every away game was a home game for us. Uh, they are special. Uh, um, there's no secret to that. They are they are very very special. And I think when we went the, when we won the Premier's played in Newcastle, I think half of the stadium was with Wanderers fans. Um, so going down to Central Coast or playing against Central Coast, it, it was no different. And that sort of built it up. It created a more bigger game for even for us. We folded as players. Um, so it, it, it's it's definitely a special time and a special club. You mentioned that trip down to Gosford. The the game, the third time you played them during the season, um, the regular season, you had one win, one draw, and one loss. The win you had was at Gosford. You scored the winner in the 80th minute, and that took the Wanderers top of the table and, and helped secure the Premier's plate. 6,000 travelling fans on that day. What do you remember about that game? It was a massive occasion, and when you scored the goal, the fans were actually doing the Poznan. They had the back to the back to the field. Do you remember that? I think that's what connects me with them because I think from that day onwards, I think, yeah, I, I remember clearly. And, uh, okay, it's good as an individual, but I think it was all about the team and, and obviously to reward them fans sitting in the rain there for for 90 minutes. Um, that, you know, again, I think things like that or days like that, you never forget, you know. Um, lucky to be a part of that moment and obviously to be part of that group at the time when we went through. And yes, it did take, it did, did take a stop. Um, and then we, we luckily, we, fin- we did finish the job in Newcastle 3-0. So overall, it's, it's yeah, definitely remember the post night in the 80th minute. So no, can't, can't forget that, that's for sure. I mean, as I mentioned, 6,000 fans, you already said they travelled everywhere. What was the fan culture? What was the Western Sydney fans like at that time and the absolute peak when we used to see Parramatta absolutely rocking. What, what was it like to be playing in front of that week in, week out? You know, people. some people would say, you know, playing in front of your home crown could be pressure and stuff. They actually were our 12th player. Um, you know, every time we, we had tight games, they just seemed to lift and, and that got us over the line. Um, definitely in the Champions League, through the Champions League, I think, the semi-final against the Korean, I think it was a Korean team from memory. Um, it's just, yeah, it was tied into all the way to the end. And yeah, there were our 12 players, no, no doubt about it. I know it's an old cliche when people say it's a 12 player, but they were right with us all the way, all the way. That's for sure. Did you, did you ever have to buy a coffee in Parramatta? Well, I still think I did the right thing inside of principal. I, I can buy coffee, yes, I did buy it. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, like you know, that's the good thing about this part of the world that people actually appreciate you and respect you for what you do, and and in return, if they see you giving everything, then I think that's all they ask for. So it's a good area, it's a hard working area, and it's you know the weekends are special. And obviously, at the time, being a new club was was very very special. We had a unique bond with the fans and also the players. I mean that. That first season, that team, what kind of special bond do you share with that team? You didn't win a, a championship, but you won the Premier's Plate. You forever bonded that group. Yeah, as you know, you know, you go through stages in your playing career where you 
you sort of come to the team and you, everything just starts clicking. And, you know, we, we were close on the pitch, but we were close off the pitch. Um, it was it was help, helping each other pretty much. And, and that grew more and more into the field. And as you start getting results, then the confidence starts to grow a bit. Uh, but, again, I think there are memories, again, that you... Even if you, you know, if someone says to you, oh, yeah, it's a long time ago, I don't think you can forget them or forget them type of moments. So I think definitely, definitely, I think 20 of us or 25 of us that were there, I think for sure we'll all feel the same. Well, one other memory you're not going to forget in a hurry is the Asian Champions League win. You were a massive part of that campaign. You featured in all 14 of the games on the way to the to the trophy. What are your memories of that, mate? Like you mentioned the, uh, the season one, how did, how do you reflect on that, that journey? To be, to be honest, I don't think it hit home until we got to the airport that night and it was 11 o'clock at night and the people had to go to work the next morning and they at the airport and the fans that, that, that was a time that I thought to myself, Ooh, okay, there's something happening here. Oh, we've done something. Um, because when you're traveling and you're going from game to ga- game, and I think it was every towards the end, it was every two weeks games, and it was obviously you need to go a couple of days before, and it's it sort of you didn't have time to sort of sit down and reflect much and what's going on. But then I think that night when we landed in Sydney from after the final, I think I thought to myself, "Wow, we have we have done something. We have made history." And I think. I don't know how other people are, but for me, it's that money can't buy that. That experience will stay for me forever. Um, yeah, it's it is quite unique, and you know yourself. You've been a part in Champions League. How hard is it to go travel? Then you know you, you, buses and the weather and the language and the fields and all, all that. It's it's you know when you put it all together, you go what an what an achievement. Um, but I think think. We took it one game at a time and we never thought of of the big picture, to be honest. Uh, even though as we came closer to the final, we started to have a little smell and go, oh, okay, there's something here. But I think for me personally, until I got back to the airport that night, I thought, okay, we've left a mark. And I think that's for me. I could have retired then. I, I, I was happy to, to finish then because... Again, you, you leave sort of a leave, you leave something behind that people will talk forever in a positive way, and I think that's that's very powerful. It's been a bit of a barren run since then. The Wanderers struggling to make uh, any real impact in the league. Haven't made the finals for a number of seasons now. You were there as an assistant coach for the last couple of years. You left uh, at the end of last season. Was there anything you saw that was missing? Obviously. You were working there, so you were trying to implement things to make the team more successful. But was there a missing ingredient uh, that you couldn't quite figure out? Ah, look, football, it's, it's easy to have it always your way and, and you know, always win and, and things have been perfect. Um, there, was, there was a lot of times where the injuries came into play. Um, you know, and that's not an excuse or luck uh, or sort of not falling the ball. Luck. If you look at back Champions League, we also had our luck in, in some of the games. So then when you bring it back, me working as a coach there, some of the games we will lose in the last minute or even get a draw in the last minute. And it, it's just, you know, sometimes you, you have to dig deep and you have to you have to realise that, okay, it is what it is at this present time. And, and then 
you know, you, you need you need to get through it. And I think now watching them, it's I think they've come on the other side of it. And I'm a big fan of the club. Obviously, I'm not there, but I'm a big fan of the club. And and the things now this year seem to be steady and, and, and hopefully then in for a big year. But, yeah, I think it's football, I guess, you know. You obviously know Mark Rudin. What kind of impact do you think he's had? Obviously, defensively, been rock solid, but... They are a goal shy of scoring their 400th goal in club history, but goal scoring has been a bit of an issue. Uh, look, I played with, with Root and obviously I worked with him towards the end of last year and he's brought the discipline and he's brought the passion in terms of the, the area and, and he's, he's a good team. He's a recruiter well. Um, the boy at the back, the captain, he, he's very experienced. He's very, very experienced. Obviously, you've got the other foreigners that have come in, they've done well in the middle of the park. And and prior to World Cup, obviously they they they're very good, and I think they've still been playing some good football even now. Um, I mean, over the weekend, I think they had at least in the first half clear cut chances to to sort of be two three up up the top. But again, I think it's just one game, and each game is different. You know, they they, they really I thought they really played well over the weekend, but obviously they shared the points now, so. It's, but they've recruited well and they seem to get a good group of players. Obviously a massive game, as we mentioned at the top of the show. Second v third when they take on the Mariners at the weekend. Mate, both of the teams, I mean, every team comes from a city and a region, but the Mariners and the Wanderers in particular seem to have a, a bit more of a connection with their supporter base and, and where they're from. What is it about Western Sydney and what does this team mean so much to the fans? Because there's plenty of NRL teams out there. They're not a one-team town, but... They got a real connection uh, with their supporter base. Oh, look, it's like what I said before. Uh, the area is, is proud on hardworking people and and and, and respecting and appreciating people. So when they see you that you're giving 100% for, for the club, for the jersey, they'll, they'll follow you, they'll support you everywhere. Uh, so I think that's what sort of is a bit special about the Wanderers and the area. Um, and then Central Coast, obviously, I've, I have, I've never played there, but Coming from the, it's a smaller place where people are more closer together, tighter together. It also creates their bond. So I think when the two teams come together, I think it's, yeah, it, it drives it drives the players within inside the field to go to another level. And I have no, I'm, I won't be surprised if the game goes to another level on 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 Saturday. And it's a Saturday night. It's a perfect time. I think it's seven seven thirty kickoff. So. Oh, I think it will be a good, spectac- good spectacle. Mate, you talk about driving players to another level. That's what you're doing at the moment, the new head coach of Sydney Olympic. Um, how's that journey going for you? We're talking off air. It's a 24-7 gig. You're, you're living and breathing that club. How's uh, the, start, uh, the start of life there? Yeah, no, it's good. Obviously, I've been a bit lucky, fortunate that I've worked with five, six different managers and obviously his managers and Aussie managers. And, you know, you, you pick up their brain, all of them, something good and bad, for example, and then you put it in your own sort of little pot and you, you come up with your own ideas after. And I think that's, for me, it's come probably the good time, the age I am. And, you know, I went through the, the courses, the coaching courses, and obviously I've done my time in that sense. So it's always good to, to go to a place where you can see, you can make a difference. And I think that's what sort of what drove me to it and then made my, my decision to move there. And and really looking forward to it. It's it's a rich club again. It's a very lot big big history, and I think I think I'm coming from one which is a lot of pressure. But 
I'm also going to a club where there's a lot of pressure too. So in that sense, I've come from same. It's like working for the same club. To be fair, in that in that way, pressure is normal in them two clubs. Well, we've uh, covered a lot of ground in this uh, very, very short time. Just before you go, we'll do a full wrap-up of all the games at the end of the show with Daniel McBreen. But I wanted to ask you quickly about the clash on Friday night. Another of your old teams, Newcastle, taking on Brisbane. I mean, Arthur Pappas, he's got a lot of praise for the style of football he he plays, but results haven't been there. How do you see their position and, and do you think he can push them up the table? They are only one win out of the top six, I must say. Yeah, I think Newcastle, uh, for me, are an exciting team to watch. I mean, last year, obviously, Arthur came in and, and uh, built a squad and they were exciting to watch. But I think this year, I mean, I think they're scoring goals. Uh, it, when I say scoring goals, I mean they're creating opportunities. They always like, I think they went to Western the other night. They scored. They could have scored another one in the second half against Wanderers. You know, they had chances. They scored, they scored first with Angus. Um, in the second half, they had another three, four chances with Bahaja. Soteria. So I think they're an exciting team. But in saying that, I think Brisbane's been playing some some smart football. And the way Warren's got them playing a possession-based team, but very effective when they go forward. And they don't score many goals, but they do score in a crucial time. So I think it will be a very entertaining game to watch on Friday night. Well, love you, mate. We appreciate your time. You're one of the gentlemen of Australian football. We crossed paths all the way back in 2006 in the Oli Roos, a couple of camps together in Canberra and, and over in, uh, in Hong Kong as well. So we really appreciate your time. I wish you all the best, mate, and, and thanks for your insight on, on Western Sydney. Not a problem, Robbie. Thank you for having me. Green, trying to get around Michael Beach. Oh, it came off the hand of Jerome Polanx. That's a penalty. And did, of course, miss in the shootout in the grand final against the War two years ago. But this is a big kick in the grand final. McBreen tucks it away. And the Mariners are two goals to the good. And joining us now, Daniel McBreen. Maka, thanks very much for your time, buddy. Uh, thanks for having me, Robbie. Well, as we touched on with Labby, he wasn't too happy, obviously, on the losing side of that grand final. <laughs> but it's almost 10 years to the day, a couple of months away since the Mariners won their first ever A-League championship. Mate, how does that sit with you? What's your memories of the day? Um, well, firstly, I can sympathise with Labby uh, after losing a grand final as well. But, um, yeah, look, it's good to look back. Sometimes it feels like a lot longer than 10 years ago and other times it feels like just yesterday. Um, and, yeah, look, it's always great to be able to look back and reminisce. And it took us, well, the Mariners, four times to finally get one and we finally got there. So I, I think you can see when you look back at the celebrations when the full-time whistle went, there's a lot of joy but also a lot of relief uh, in the players and, and the supporters and the coaching staff as well because they got so close so many times. Obviously, the two years before, we got done by Brisbane basically on, on full-time of extra time. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it was just a fantastic uh, a moment. Um, it was a real relaxed week leading up to it with the experience before, and it would be good to, to see the people who can make it to the uh, to catch up again this week. Mate, you talked about the losing grand finals. Just how much extra pressure did that put on the boys? Do you know what? I think because we'd been there, um, we the way Arnie sort of set us up that year, I think we were very confident during the year that we'd finally – we, we had this rivalry with the, with, with the Raw and we'd finally felt like we had the wood on them. And then all of a sudden, these, these new kids on the block, Western Sydney, popped up and said, no, hang on, no, you're not going to get it all your own way. And, and they gave us a good run. But I think during the course of the season, we had some, some good results and, and we were very confident. And we had a completely different approach to that grand final. 
where we knew we were the underdogs against Brisbane because they were so fantastic and they, they were doing so many great things. I think we went into the grand final against Western Sydney going, our mindset was, even though Western Sydney had won the minor prem- or the premiership, we thought we were the best team that year. Uh, and we just had that mindset that we've done this before. Uh, we've, we, can, we can beat this team. We've shown we can do that during the season. And it was really relaxed. Um, you know, we, we watched Mike Bassett, football manager, the night before as a group and sat there and laughed and joked and we didn't really even talk about the game. It was just a, a relaxed feeling and it was a completely different um, lead, lead up to, to the one that happened a couple of years previous. Some pretty iconic moments, some pretty iconic photos as well from that grand final. You jumping on Patrick Vansweit's back after after he scored, Oli Bazanich and yourself embracing Trent Sainsbury. And he's and he's old man. Is there one memory that stands out more than any other? Is you know something from back in the change rooms, or is there something that just sort of sticks in your mind? Um, do you know what sticks in my mind most about that group is is the camaraderie. Um, and I see a little bit of that in the Mariners these days. I get asked if that that sort of you can see that, and I can. Uh, but the camaraderie, we were such a tight group. Um, Arnie had sort of set us up as we're this little team in the middle of nowhere that everyone's against us and no one wants us to do well because, you know, uh, we're just these little guys down the road. And we lived with each other for three years, that group. Uh, and, I mean, when we say we lived, we the half team spent, they were in groups of threes living together, the young boys and, and the rest of us. We'd finish training. We'd go for breakfast we'd, together. We'd have training. Then we'd all go together and, and have lunch. And then we'd have our families together down at the beach in the afternoon or, or, or doing something else at the park. We, that camaraderie really, I think, was the big thing. And we all talk to each other still to this day. Um, and obviously, you get that through most of your career. But I, I just don't see, in my career anyway, I haven't seen a team still in contact after so many years, so many people still involved. And it, and it was just that camaraderie that really... I think set us apart. Well, you are having a little get together prior to the the Wanderers Central Coast game on the weekend, mate. People talk about Pep Guardiola and his impact on teams and and his players going on to coach. There might not be too many at that uh, reunion because most of you are all still involved <laughs> in the game. Is that down to Graham Arnold or or just you know footballing minds? Yeah, I think the education we got from Arnie. Um, even the young guys, I remember at this time, you know, I was in, in my mid to mid thirties and, and I'd say to the young boys, the Matty Ryans and your Trent Sainsbury's and your Oliver Zanik, all these guys say, take this in because I think was the best coach I had and I didn't get him until I was 33. And that's no disrespect to any other coach that I had, but Arnie just was the complete package for me as a manager. Uh, and I just thought the, the knowledge he imparted on the game, the way that he treated players, um, you know, that he, he felt like he cared about you. Um, he, he would bring you in and, and, and talk you through scenarios as groups, as individuals. And I think the, the football education we got from him um, has really gone and showed on that, you know, I think it's nearly all the young guys who were part of that squad um, are still playing to this day at a good level and have gone and had great careers overseas. Uh, and, and a lot of the senior guys are, are, are coaching if it's not involved in A-League or overseas, they've got their own academies or like myself, I'm working in, in, in television. So I don't think there's really many people, if any, that aren't involved in some way in football uh, in, in, in a good in a, in a high level giving back to, to, to football itself. And I think that's a testament to the coaching staff back then that 
they got that mindset into us. You mentioned a couple of the guys uh, that went on to, to big and better things. One of those was Matt Ryan. We spoke to Labby about the, the final league game between you two at Gosford Stadium when he scored in the 80th. 6,000 travelling Of course he wanted fans. to talk about that. He wanted to talk about that game, of course. <laughs> but but one of the interesting things in that game was leading in, you'd, you'd missed three straight penalties as a team and, and Matt Ryan actually took a penalty in that game and missed. How did that yeah. come about? Well, I'll correct you as much as I don't want to say it. We'd missed five straight penalties as a team. Uh, or we've missed five that year, so sorry, maybe we had a couple in between. But, well, the upshot was I'd missed two. I think Svansvike had missed one. Nick Montgomery had missed one. And I think Mikey McGlinchey had missed one. And we had a meeting about it saying, well, what's the problem with penalties? Can't be that hard. And um, we were sitting there and Arnie just said, oh, who, who, who wants to put their hand up to take penalties? And Swan- Swanee and I were the two first and second penalty takers. And we both said sort of, yeah, and sort of went to put our hand up. And we just saw Arnie's eyes go past us to the back of the room where Matty Ryan was sat with his hand in the air going, I'll take one. <laughs> and I looked at Swanee and he looked at me and he went, well, we're going to look like idiots here if the goalkeeper, that we don't want to take him, we're, we're quite happy to. And Arnie just said, if you're confident, Matty, you can have it. And we thought, you know what, goalkeepers with their goal kicks, you could just get run up and just smash one down, you know, down the middle or in the top corner, no problems. Uh, it didn't quite work out that way when he <laughs> stepped up and he just totally mishit it. I think maybe the occasion got the better of him. And um, obviously, history is that they went and scored and won one nil, and that was basically them winning the premiership because we couldn't catch them from there on. Was anything ever said after the game? Was it was it made lighthearted or was it uh, not lighthearted? No, it wasn't really said to anyone else. But Arnie grabbed me by the shirt in the tunnel, put me against the wall, and said. You're the penalty taker. From now on, you take a penalty. We get a penalty. You're taking a penalty. And I went, yes, Arnie. That's what I wanted to do, but you didn't. And he went, don't back chat. Just take the next one. Um, so, yeah, it was back on me. And luckily, we had uh, I had a warm-up one in the last round of the season, which sort of got put me in good stead for the grand final. Well, lucky you did, mate. Um, you did take one in the final. Was any of that in the back of your mind? Obviously, you missed the penalty in 2011 as well in the, in the shootout. Um, mate, talk us through what you were thinking when you stepped up to take that one. The one that I scored or the one that the I The one that you scored, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, to be fair, we sat down and discussed uh, the routine, the penalty routine, because you know what it's like. You put the ball down and people want to come and get in your way and, and the concentration breaks. So we, we spoke about um, keeping the ball in my hand until the keeper was on his line and everyone else was back so I could put the ball back, walk back in my routine uh, uh, without any distractions um, that almost went to plan, but a flare flew on the pitch and someone had to run and throw it off. But didn't I, to be honest, I almost didn't notice that because I was in the zone. And um, before the game on the team walk, Phil Moss had come up to me and he said, where are you going to put the penalty? I want to know now. So there's no change in your mind. I want you to pick your spot and go with it. Uh, and, and the last game of the season, I'd put it top left corner and I just said, I'm just going to put it in the same place, mate. And he said, right, I'll hold you to that. If we win a penalty... You just hit that spot. If he saves it, then that's up to him. Well done to him. But at least you're not going to have any decision. Um, and luckily for me, it went in the top corner. And luckily for us, you gave us one of the most iconic celebrations in <laughs> A-League history. Talk us through that one again. Um, well, that was actually a throwback to my mates that I grew up playing football with. Um, they all wanted to be footballers. And, you know, for one reason or another, they never never got there. And they always said, well, one day we want to see a celebration that is, a, is for us. And... So I played at a team called Toronto of the Stags and, and obviously they had the antlers on the thing and we used to do it mucking around together and I said, one day I'll do something for you guys and 
for that day, the Toronto Stags back in the day, well, they still are today. They're yellow and blue, same as the Mariners. Did that, and they were, oh, yeah, because I got all the messages from the guys during the week, good luck and all that stuff. So I thought, you know what, a bit of a throwback to 25 years, 20 years before, and uh, just threw that out. And, yeah, it was uh, the rest is history. And it was well-received, mate. It, it certainly is history, and that's the beauty of football. It connects us uh, through many generations and many years. So well done to you. You mentioned it um, about the team and about – um, you know, the, the camaraderie that you guys share. We spoke to Labby as well about the region of Western Sydney and the region of, of Central Coast. Every team comes from a city and, and from a place, but those two seem to have a special bond with their community. What is it about the Mariners and the, Mar- and the community down there on the coast that, that ties them together so closely? Oh, look, I think it's a mixture of being a tight, small community that you do get to know the people around the community as well. Like you'd go down to the fruit shop and the guys there would be members and you'd talk to them or you'd go and have a few beers after the game on a on a Saturday or a Sunday afternoon and there'd be fans down there coming up and chatting to you and you just got to know them. And the other thing, I guess, with the Central Coast is because it's small, um, you always have this thing about, well, all the big boys in the big cities, uh, you know, your Sydneys and your Melbournes, they... There's this, there's this thing that they look down on you. So, you, you know, you're just a small little area that, you know, they should steamroll all the time. So it's that little bit of getting your back up against those guys and, and, and we stand strong and proud against them. Mate, with all that said about the community and uh, how tight-knit everyone is, we saw last night the Central Coast Mariners owner, Richard Peel, put out a statement sort of letting everyone know the financial situation of the club and almost saying, if, hey, if you want to get on board, we, we need your support. What, what did you make of that from an owner? Um. Look, I'll be honest. I think that honesty is good. Uh, I think sometimes people can be a little distracted or, or not really understand the full picture. Like I know he would have known what was he was getting into. Uh, the big thing for me out of that that I found interesting was that the Centre of Excellence is not owned by the club. Now, that was backed by government uh, funding to, to get that up and running and was given to the club. And Obviously, Mike Charlesworth has, has taken that with him on the way because they're, they're firing that off him. I thought that would have to stay as a prerequisite probably with the club. Um, that was a strange one for me. But look, I think across the board, clubs have been losing money all the time. So it wasn't a surprise for me for him to come out and say, this is what we're losing uh, as a minimum $2 million a year. Um, you know, there's plenty of people that support the clubs and, uh, and need to get out there and become members and, and bring people along. Uh, and get back to those halcyon days when we used to get 12,000 uh, at the stadium. I think there's a good vibe around the, the, the town and, and, the ga- and the game at the moment in the Central Coast because the team's doing so well on the pitch. But if people don't get out and support, then there's no point. Um, you know, it's, it's great to be able to say, oh, yeah, that's my team, they're doing well. But you've got to get down there and support the team. And you've got to put, your, you know, I know it's tough, tough times, but you've got to put your hard-earned money and go and, and, and pay for your memberships and get down to the ground and support the team. Because if you don't, we're not going to have teams in the future, you know, and and the clubs need – they can't afford to be losing money, millions of dollars every year, uh, and we can't expect owners to to do that because it comes to – after a while, they're going to say, oh, I can't afford to do this, uh, and we're going to end up without a club. So I, I didn't see a problem with that. I think laying it out on the line and letting people know where the club stands uh, is good. Um, but yeah, that, that, that ownership of the central, uh, the, the center of excellence to me was a, a big shot. Well, as you say, the vibes on field are good. Let's hope they get a little bit better off field and, and continue to grow and keep that team, uh, nice and strong because we need them in the league. You mentioned the vibes uh, and the camaraderie. You saw some similarities in the team at the moment. Do you think they're on the same trajectory as, as what that championship winning team was slowly building and, and potentially could have a period of dominance? 
Yeah, look, it's 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 always difficult. Um, to be fair, I think Monty's doing a fantastic job with the way that he j- j- started in the academy and the youth set up and helped get that running as as good as it is now. And now moving into the senior area, he can pull on those players because he has such a good understanding of them. His uh, foreigners have been fantastic uh, and they're really building on what I think last year was a great season and they seem to be building and and getting even better this year. Um, I hear from people in the town that that same camaraderie that I spoke about before, they'll they'll see the team together having dinner or, or, or lunch and it's the whole team. Uh, and you don't find that very often, you know, when you've got senior players who've got to go off and do family stuff and all that kind of thing, and the young boys do their own thing. I'm hearing that they're all together. They go together everywhere. That they're doing this, you know, lunches and they're, and they're hanging out. And that just breeds, that makes you want to die for the person next to you on the pitch. And I think sometimes you see that. Sometimes they just purely outwill the other team. They play great football, but that commitment to go and win the ball back and drive and press I uh, I can see that, and and there are shades of of a decade ago, and it's good to see. Of the young crop now, we we, we talk about Trent Sainsbury and Oli Bazanich and, and Matt Ryan and um, all these guys that went on to have great careers. The younger core from that from that group, we've obviously seen Garon Quall obviously make his move now. Is there anyone else you can see making that step up? Because I mean, Triantis has been absolutely brilliant. You've got some great young kids in midfield. Is there any yep. that stand out to you? Um, where do I start? Because <laughs> they're all doing such a good job. For me, young Josh is, um, I think he's so underrated. The amount of work he does in that in that midfield for the uh, for the coast is ridiculous. He's a great ball player. He's got energy all the time. Um, probably the one thing, and, and he's a deep, more a ball-winning midfielder, but he doesn't score many goals, but I think he's fantastic. Young Dan Hall at the back as well. Um, I think when he plays, he's exceptional. And the good thing is, though, that, you know, Dan Hall's not playing all the time now because they've got such competition across all those places. But um, there's a cross the board, really. You've got young Harry Steele, does a great job in there as well. Um, I'm trying to think of all the names at the moment. But, Farrell, um, Farrell, Farrell's a star at left Farrell, back. Exactly, yeah. Farrell burst onto the scene. Now, I remember Jacob Farrell playing for Valentine in Newcastle and, and uh, Adam Hughes, his coach there, said, mate, have a look at this kid. He's, he's unreal. Um, and he was, he'd been in the Mariners before and he went back from Valentine to the Mariners, got his chance, and hasn't he taken it with two hands? He's been exceptional. Um, just looks like he enjoys his football. Yeah. It's that's what that's what I like about these young guys. It's it's not oh it's a I'm on debut and I've got to be nervous. It's just well I'm just going to go and play that my game and enjoy it. And I'll get up and down and I'll put balls in the box and I'll smash a few people when I have to. And uh, and I think Monty gives them that license and they feel. Um, they feel like they can just just go and play and do do what they do that's got them there. Well, he looks like he might come straight from the beach before training, so he certainly fits <laughs> the uh, the Central Coast mould. Mate, we're going to go through the games on the weekend. Of course, tonight at the time of recording, we got the Big Blue, or as I'm calling it, the Big Blues, because both teams are really in a bit of trouble at the moment. If, if victory get the win, just uh, six points will separate third and 11th, so it is a really, really tight competition. Mate, I want to talk to you about... One of the other games on Saturday, which is the Bulls taking on Western United. Your old mate, we mentioned the Mariners, players taking up coaching roles. He hit the crossbar in the 2013 yep. A-League Grand Final. Mille Sturjowski's got the gig. Mate, yep. how do you think he's going to go? To be honest, I don't think there's anyone best place for Mille than Mille to go into that position at the moment. Um, you know, he's a he's a local boy from that area. He's been at the club since its inception. He's worked with the young boys there. He's been working with the first team as well. 
He knows his football inside out. He's got a wealth of experience. He's got great contacts across the world as well where he could maybe lean on people for support and, and for players as well. Um, but on top of all of that, is he is just a lovely human being. And I think the connection that he'll have with the players because he's very empathetic, he's been there before, he's such a nice guy um, that I think – you know, the respect will already be there, of course, but I think that'll only get more in, in the way that he's very um, very measured in his approach. Um, he's not an emotional person that will, you know, fly off the handle and come back down. He, he's measured. He thinks about what he says. He, he analyses situations before he, he, he goes out and, and speaks on it. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how he does because, like I said, I don't think there's a there's – a, one, there's a nicer human being, but two, a, a person that – fits their mould right now um, with the experience he's got. Well, we obviously wish Millet all the best. We've touched on Newcastle and Raw with Labby. It's a game that you can hear Daniel McBreen commentating on the weekend. Wellington, Perth, the distance derby. Three straight wins for Wellington and haven't Perth turned things around. And of course, on Sunday, it's the high-flying Melbourne City against Adelaide United. City have only been Adelaide three times in the last 14 encounters and one of those was in the extra time win in the semi-final last year. Maka, do you give Adelaide United any chance against Melbourne City on Sunday? Oh, of course. Uh, on their day, they're a chance against anyone. They can beat any team. They've got the quality through the whole squad. Um, I guess their problem has been consistency of late, um, a changing starting lineup, one through injury and another through suspensions, um, which can have a destabilising effect. But like you say, they're very good against Melbourne City. Um, if there's a team that knows how to beat Melbourne City, it's probably them. Uh, and Melbourne City are having a real rough tra- patch for them, uh, two draws. And Jamie McLaren hasn't scored in two games. That's a disaster for Melbourne City. So they might be rocking and reeling at, at, at that. But, look, I think they can get points. Um, and it could be the, the catalyst for them to to turn their recent fortunes around. Well, Mac, if I know one thing about you, it's you like to enjoy yourself. So take it easy, but have a good time on on Saturday night at the reunion. I know uh, you're going to enjoy catching up with all your old pals there. We want to thank you very much for your time and keep up the good work on Paramount and, and Channel 10. Thanks, Robbie. Thanks for having me, guys. Well, that's all we got time for this week. I hope you enjoyed a little bit of a different show. Please let us know what you thought of the pod and give us your feedback as always. Keepup.com.au is the perfect place to go for all your football news. I'm Robbie Cornthwaite. Thanks for listening. Listener.